one, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we discuss those lists on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and my guest today is Evan Grimm. Evan, how's it going? Good, Klee. How are you, man? I am very good. Evan is one of my best friends. I've known Evan for about 10 years, and uh, this is going to be a really fun show. So, Evan, tell the uh, tell the listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, so my name is Evan, like Klee said. Uh, Clee and I have known each other for about 10 years, and I think we met out in California when we were both working at a Best Buy store, and um, I currently live in the Midwest, and I work for the Macintosh Group. The Macintosh Group is a family of companies, but the you know well-known company, Macintosh Laboratory, which is based in Binghamton, New York, makes power amps, preamplifiers, you know, audio components and source components for two-channel listening and for home theaters. And then there's other brands affiliated with the group, but I also help to support Sonus Faber, which is a Italian speaker company and manufacturer that makes luxury, beautiful Italian loudspeakers, you know, bookshelf, floor standing, et cetera, and new kind of like cool architectural speakers as well. So um, really my day-to-day is just helping to support sales and uh training dealers and and visiting macintosh lab dealers in my region yeah and macintosh is one of those iconic brands you've probably seen their products in movies or when you look up really really high-end homes like you'll see a lot of macintosh gear it's it's stuff that people aspire to own and uh they last forever that's one of the one of the yeah things that i know about macintosh is they you know you can have a macintosh amp from the 70s and they're still going yeah there's a couple spots that i stop at you know a couple times a year and they still have 50 w1s and 50 w2s and i mean those things are as old as macintosh laboratory itself right so we're 71 years old this year as a company but i mean there's there's products that are 71 years old 70 years old that are still ticking so we're always like how long does the macintosh last Maybe ask us again in seventy more years, you know, and we'll have a we'll have a good answer there. But uh, yeah, really cool stuff. Stuff is built really well. It's built in New York, and uh, still to this day, you're a lot different than me. I always thought our friendship was really cool because it was never really based on common interests. If you think about the interests that we have, they're pretty wildly different. Um, <laughs> whereas I am the movie guy, you are the audio guy. I mean, before you worked yeah. at at Macintosh, you worked for a headphone company and yeah, you made music. And that's like one of the things that we used to talk about is music. So tell us about the list that you chose for today. Totally. So like you said, I mean, I think the last time that I watched a movie in a movie theater was the last Star Wars. But before that, I think it was like four years ago at the Alamo and kansas city or st louis missouri it you know like wherever (laughs) wherever we were it was like it had been like four years since i i I dragged you to see a foreign movie at the alamo draft house (laughs) which was actually badass it was a really cool film i don't even remember what it was about but i remember leaving and thinking that was an enjoyable experience (laughs) i could do this every four years (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. I'll have to wait another three and a half before I go to the next film. But uh, yeah. So anyways, I think one of the coolest parts of a movie for me that makes it as immersive of an experience is the soundtrack or the score. And so I chose to do like kind of a top five movie soundtracks and or scores because, you know, they're like I think Arrival is a great example where Johan Johannesson had like a beautiful soundtrack, but it also incorporated part of Max Richter's like blue notebooks. Right. So, um, you know, anyways, I, I really think that it just like there's some movies where I actually can't imagine the movie without the soundtrack or vice versa. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about top five scores slash soundtracks today with Evan. Uh, before we get to that, let's talk about what we've been watching. So I've got a couple things that I've been watching, and I'll just start off with one. The name of this movie is The Death of Dick Long. Hey, you know, motherfuckers want to get weird? You know, I normally don't call y'all about minor shit. This is a big deal. I get it. This whole nother ball game. Lord. Did you hear about the murders? Huh? Someone dropped this guy off from the ER. Brutally, brutally murdered. Murderer? Who the fuck's murderer? Where the fucking murder? I guess we got a little carried away last night. Once I had a secret love. You know what, dude? What are they doing in Pulp Fiction? Call Anthony Kiedis. Now you think of Harvey Keitel, Anthony Kiedis is due from Red Hot Chili Shut the fuck up. This one's from 2019. It sounds like a porn movie title, uh, but this is uh, it's a 2019 movie. It's a film about these... Uh, Folks in Alabama, and really the setup is is kind of fun. You just you start with a late night band practice with these three hicks, and they're just jamming out. And then once band practice is over, one of the guys says, hey, you want to get weird? They start drinking. They start doing some drugs. And then we flash forward to, I guess, earlier that or early the next morning, which would be, you know, four or five in the morning. And these guys, two of the band members are dropping a third band member at the side of a hospital and hoping that he lives. And then the rest of the movie is, number one, trying to figure out what happened to this third band member. And then number two is watching the remaining two band members try and cover their tracks so that they don't get caught because of what happened. So it's like part mystery, part crime. You have these... uh, Oaky police officers trying to crack the case and everything is just unraveling the entire time. It's a really fun movie. It does. Uh, once, once you find out the mystery to it, I feel like it kind of fell a little bit flat. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's tough to, it's, it's fun. It's tough to recommend like buying the Blu-ray sight unseen but if you can find it on streaming i think that it's worth a look (laughs) there was one character in particular uh the character named earl who stole every scene that he was in he was by far my favorite character 
but yeah, everything else, I would say like if I would just give it an out of 10 rating, I would say like a six out of 10. I did enjoy my time with it, but it, it, at the same time, it's not one that I need to own in my collection. Tell me about something you've been watching. You know, I just got done watching Tales from the Loop, like the first season. What do you do? When someone says something's impossible, I prove it's possible. this really happened or if it was a dream everyone is connected to the loop in one way or another it's an interesting show it's kind of like like it's hard to tell when it takes place. It, I mean, for me, it seems to take place in maybe like the '60s or the '70s, uh, in like a fictional town in Ohio. But it has to do with kind of like un- underground, you know, kind of experiments. There's, there's kind of to me, it's like, um, oh, there's some similarities. Maybe some would say to like Stranger Things, but it isn't like a show that revolves around what's happening with a group of kids per se. Um, but it's, it's like weird. There's like dystopian kind of like elements to it. And uh, there's this machine that's underground and they refer to it as the loop. And the folks that are living above the loop are kind of like starting to see some weird things happen <laughs> in their neighborhood. Right. And it's it's kind of like, oh, it reminds me of Dark, which is a great show on Netflix or like Stranger Things. You know, there's some elements there and it's. It's different. It's different. But it's like science fiction, which is kind of cool. That's kind of something that I've been getting more involved or I guess more interested in. Um, And then I also watched The Expanse, which is a cool show on um, Amazon Prime, too. May I ask you something? Do you miss Earth? These endless blue skies. Free air everywhere and open water all the way to the horizon. When you spend your whole life living under a dome, even the idea of an ocean is almost impossible to imagine. They are an entire culture working together to turn a lifeless rock into a garden. We had a garden and we paved it. Someday, things gonna change. Earth and Mars been stepping on the necks of the Belters out here for over a hundred years. You want to be careful how far you want to take this. We're all in this together. We are fighting for something precious here. They built their solar system on our backs, spilt the blood of a million of our brothers, but in their eyes, we're not even human anymore. Heaven help your enemies. Heaven help us all, Earth. <laughs> 
must come first. We make it all this way, so far out into the darkness. Why couldn't we have brought more light? It's science fiction too. It's not like B rated though. It's good. It's uh it's rated well on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and all that jazz. <laughs> I, I've never heard of the expanse, so tell me like what what is the plot of the expanse? Yeah, so like hundreds of years in the future, the earth is no longer like extremely habitable. <laughs> so I don't know that it's necessarily even science fiction. <laughs> You know, but, uh, you know, we've colonized Mars. We've colonized like one of the moons of um, some planet series, you know, so basically Mars is kind of like where the military sits. Earth is where like the UN sits, like there's miners that are on a moon and it's kind of like first season. It captivated my interest. And then the second season where I thought, Oh wow. Like the actors are really gelling, you know, I kind of feel like they have better chemistry. And then season three was like really easy to watch. And I was really looking forward to season four, but it's basically like, you know, everyone's, everyone's fighting for their life and like livelihoods between these three different areas. And like the people that are still on earth kind of have it made. Uh, the folks that are on Mars is like very um, like militarized <laughs> and the folks that are on series are doing like mining. I think it's series. Anyways, they're, they're like mining and they're, I mean, they're basically just like they're in poverty, dude. So they're fighting right. for their freedom and they're like, I don't want to give anything away. It's, it's super interesting. The, the plot's not like ridiculous science fiction, you know? <laughs> so anyways, it's pretty cool. It's well done. I feel like the acting's good and uh that that isn't always the case with <laughs> some sci-fi that I've seen, you know. So cool. So that's the expanse. You can see that on Amazon Prime, you said? Yeah, yeah. Cool. And Tales from the Loop is also on Amazon Prime, so check yep. those out there. Uh I've got one more thing that I was watching this week. It's a documentary called De Palma. You've got to realize you're being criticized against the fashion of the day. And when the fashion changes, everybody forgets about that. Being a director is being a watcher. You have a lot of egos in the room, and you have to sort of watch how they interact with each other. There was Marty and I, then there was George and Francis and Stephen. What we did in our generation will never be duplicated. It's uh, just all about Brian De Palma, a famous film director, director of such movies like Dress to Kill, Scarface, The Untouchables, The First Mission Impossible, and uh, Carlito's Way. This is a cool documentary. Uh, It's really just, it's Brian De Palma talking frankly about his movies that he made. And, you know, he he talks about his thoughts before making those movies. He talks about the experience while making the movies. And he doesn't really pull a lot of punches. He talks about the the strife that he has with certain screenwriters on set. Um, he talks about how studios kind of interfered in certain things. It's really kind of a cool look into De Palma's films. And I mean, if you're a, a fan of Brian De Palma's movies, I think this one is definitely worth a watch. It's uh, directed by Noah Baumbach, who has done a lot of 
films that I really love, uh, Marriage Story, Marriage Story, uh, Squid and the Whale, and it's you know it's really just De Palma talking. It's, you got some stock footage in there, but it's it's a really really good documentary. If you like Brian De Palma, I recommend it. It's from 2015. Well, let's get to the list. We're gonna be talking top five scores slash soundtracks. So before we get into our picks, um, like obviously you chose this list because you are a fan of music. You're a music lover. What kind of things did you think about while making this list or coming up with your five? Like what, what kind of things entered your mind? What were your criteria? Well, the first thing I thought about was how difficult this list is put together. And like, <laughs> there's so many, there are so many great scores and soundtracks out there that I quite frankly, probably just forgot existed. Right. <laughs> Cause there's just so many movies period and like, uh, and, and great music that accompanies. So, um, I think criteria wise, I was just like, you know, what effort went into this? Was it, picking songs that were just like fitting for the theme of the movie in a soundtrack or, you know, was this like a ton of work by a renowned composer and like what orchestra played the piece. And um, I think that that's what I was more focused on was just like some of the soundtracks, the scores that I'll get into are like, you know, full 85 piece plus orchestras. <laughs> and it's right. like, Wow, how incredible. Um, how difficult is it to just write a song? And then when you have to think about writing music for 85 plus instruments, it's like, holy moly, right? Yeah, I I kind of went about this. So when, when you said top five scores, I was like, I had five instantly pop into my head. So right. it was the easiest one I've ever it's the easiest list I've had to come up with, but at the same time, it was the hardest list to whittle down to just five. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if we recorded this again in like a week from now, I would have completely different picks, right? Like I'm in the same boat where it's like, I could immediately think of movies like Braveheart or, you know, there's, there's just like so many emotional scenes in Braveheart and <laughs> when I hear bagpipes out and about, I'm not like, Oh yes. You know, but, but when you hear it in the movie, it's like really well done. It conveys like a different emotion. And um, like, I don't I don't feel like that movie would be the same if it weren't for the score. <laughs> that's not on the list, but that's like such a good, you know, movie overall. And uh, anyway, I was listening to all kinds of scores last night and like my criteria for it wasn't necessarily what I thought were the best scores, but more like the most memorable scores for me, those scores that I will just like, I can hum on command because number one, maybe I've seen the movie so many times or the soundtracks just, the, the scores just stuck with me, or it's just one of those things that is the first thing I think about when I hear that movie title. And man, it was tough. There's, there's a couple on my uh, like honorable mentions list that, I was kind of anguishing over last night thinking like, how can I leave this composer off the list? But it's just like, yeah, just, no doubt. You got to squeeze it into five. So yeah, this was, it was fun to, to research for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I went 
with my list, I could have honestly put five Hans Zimmer scores on here. I just chose like one yeah. of each of the main composers. And okay. man, it was it was really tough to do that. Hans Zimmer's on mine, too. I wonder if we picked the same movie. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Well, let's get into it. What's your uh, what's your number five best score slash soundtrack? Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. It's an instinct. A feeling. The Force brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. And now, you're coming together. I think we've all had Star Wars stuck in our heads at some point, you know, like the the theme. Um, look, it's like that's an iconic collection of movies, number one. And uh, I had seen bits and pieces of every one of those movies, but it wasn't until this year when The Rise of Skywalker came out that I actually just sat down and watched all nine or I watched all eight. And then we packed up and went to a movie theater and... <laughs> Again, it was the first time in four years. But anyway, you know, um, I chose that because it was it's just like. It's incredible. It's the the movie. I know I said this already on the the episode, but it's like. I cannot imagine what else Star Wars would sound like if John Williams had not composed the soundtrack. But what's kind of interesting, I don't know if you've heard of Gustav Holst. I have not. He wrote a an album. <laughs> he wrote a, you know, a, a classical piece called The Planet. And I, I mean, it's like. It, it's definitely I, I think it possibly influenced John Williams. You know, it's it's a very cool sounding classical piece. And uh, there's some definite similarities, but uh yeah, I just I don't know, man. I I like I like the sound of Star Wars and uh just you know, every like the music conveys like so much emotion in some parts and it's like suspenseful. There's like soothing elements, you know, there's just it's got it all. Everybody knows the Star Wars theme song whether you are a fan or not. It is one of those scores that is burned into the culture worldwide which is you know not not many movies can say that but the star wars franchise you hear that music you know exactly what you're in for i mean john williams regarded as one of the greatest film composers of all time you know he's really well known i think you know this guy has written music for 60 years yeah he's on my list as well for yeah i mean god dude he's got multiple grammys he's got multiple academy award nominations and you know it's just it's crazy i mean he he does incredible 
he does incredible work. That was uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, John Williams' score. Like I said, he'll make my list. Uh, you'll hear about him from me a little later on. Yep. My number five is a movie from 2000 called Way of the Gun. What would you say qualifies you as a donor? Um, I would say I am a fairly good-looking man, physically fit, stable. I've never killed a man. A big burden. It's just one of those days. For the record, I'll call myself Mr. Parker. My associate will be Mr. Longbow. At some point, it became clear to us that our path had been chosen, and we had nothing to offer the world. So we stepped off the path and went looking for the fortune that we knew was looking for us. And here was the thing. The longest distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. But we were through jerking around. The score was composed by Joe Kramer. This is a crime movie written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, It stars Ryan Phillippe, Benicio Del Toro, and James Cain. It's a cool crime story. It's a, you've got two kidnappers who decide that they are going to kidnap a surrogate to hold the unborn baby for ransom and things do not go as planned. This is a score that's kind of a Western themed score. The whole movie is kind of like a modern Western and Joe Kramer's score is one of those things that just stuck in my head. And I can, it's one of those things that I hum when I'm at the grocery store for no reason at all, just because it's, it's amazing. This is, um, I watched this movie probably 20 times. I, I got it from a blockbuster back in 2000. And that was when I first really started getting into movies like 98 to 2000. And yeah, it's, it's one of those formative movies for me that really just has stuck with me ever since. Way of the Gun 2000, Joe Kramer. My number four is the soundtrack to the movie Drive. If I drive for you, you give me a time and a place. I give you a five-minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, and I'm yours, no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. I drive. So you just moved to LA? No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive for movies. It's not dangerous. It's only part-time. You put this kid behind the wheel. There's nothing he can't do. Kid, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. My husband is coming home. Where is he? He's in prison. There's some guys that want me to do a job for him, and I'm not going to do it. What is that you got there? One of those men gave you that? What's the job? When you get your money, his debt's paid. You never go near his family again. Have you seen that one? I have. And I'm so glad that you put this on your list because this is sitting on my honorable mentions. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Drive is a really cool movie. Um, I am a huge fan of ambient and like down tempo type music and um i feel like this really kind of has some sweet elements to it (laughs) right like uh 
there's like it's like reminiscent of like Brian Eno or Boards of Canada or Stars of the Lid. It's like ethereal almost, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I just like I, I like the movie. Um, I like Ryan Gosling and uh, I think he's he's kind of in a cool role here. That's different than a lot of the other movies that I've seen Ryan in. Um, but yeah, I just you know, I feel like it's the movie gets like really intense and the music is like a stark contrast at some points, right. Where it's just like very melodramatic, but it's got like great instrumentation. Um, yeah, I just, I, like, I, I like it. I just, I actually just listen to this from time to time, like while I'm working or, you know, checking out a system, you know, whatever it might be. So, um, but yeah, that's my number four. Yeah, and like I said, I'm glad you put this on there. The score itself uh, is composed by Cliff Martinez. It's really a lot of kind of synth, like down downplayed synth tones. And the soundtrack, like the the songs on the soundtrack, are songs that I have on my playlist too. That just the the whole music, all of the music in Drive is awesome. So that's your number four, Drive from 2011. My number four is The Born Supremacy. Two years ago. This your store? It's a little hard to find. Jason Bourne walked away from his past. Never to look back again. But his past never stopped looking for him. Marie! You belong. How? Jason, I don't want you to do this. We don't have a choice. And the composer is John Powell. The Bourne movies, all, well, I don't love the last two Bourne movies, but the first three Bourne movies, The Bourne Identity, The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne Ultimatum, are, I think are amazing. And John Powell did the score for all three of them. The Bourne Supremacy is my favorite of the bunch. And the music's so good that when I was doing my research for this episode, I didn't know like which one I liked the most. So I went back and listened to all three of them. And the born supremacy was just one of those ones that stuck out, particularly the songs during the chase sequences and the action sequences, I think are fantastic. Um, born supremacy. Most people probably know about the born series. The first born movie starts out with uh, this person who is fished out of the ocean by fishermen and he has amnesia. He has to kind of figure out where he is and why he's being hunted and why he has the skills that he has. And throughout the series that kind of unravels. I think the, the score to the born series helps unravel the mystery as we learn what's happening. And it's, it's just, it's just a great score. Um, that is the born supremacy from John Powell as my number four. My number three is the Interstellar soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. A little late, Coop. Yeah, we had a flash. It's an Indian surveillance drone. Solar cells power an entire farm. What'd you do, Murph? Oh, she didn't do nothing. Murphy's law. You're a well-educated man, Coop. And a trained pilot. And an engineer. The world doesn't need any more engineers. We didn't run out of planes and television sets. We ran out of food. 
you named me after something that's bad. No, we didn't. Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law doesn't mean that something bad will happen. It means that whatever can happen will happen. Have you seen Interstellar? I have. I Again, this is one of those scores that was really tough to keep off of my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I loved the movie. Uh, tying back into my science fiction uh, passion. <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, wow, what a cool score. And I read in a couple of places that this score took over like a couple of years for Hans to compose and and he played every single note himself <laughs> yeah. and like you know i think what's cool is the pipe organs the you know the synth like the full orchestra like every, you know everything it was just like it's a very complex um soundtrack and i think you know he's got so many instruments involved here and a 60 person mixed choir <laughs> So it's, it's, I mean, it's just like an incredible, I have so much respect for, uh, composers in general at this, at this level, especially. And, um, I actually, as a matter of fact, just started like watching the, the master class. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's pretty sweet. I like, there's a lot that I want to get through still, but. I mean, Hans Zimmer is like a masterful <laughs> composer. And this is just like, this has got to be on there. I think that one of my favorite songs is called The Mountains. I think that's what it is. And it's interesting because that exists only on like the digital. It's actually just called Mountains. But when you look at the different variations or formats, that song is not on every type of format so i think it's like on digital but it may not be on vinyl or something yeah they do a lot of um like extended scores yeah yeah Uh, so what i love about this is there are certain parts of the movie where time is like slowing down and speeding up and the score (laughs) it like intensifies those scenes and it it's again it's just like such an immersive score um I, you know, any time that I see a Christopher Nolan film where Hans Zimmer is the composer, I'm like immediately excited because like the Dark Knight trilogy was also on my list. Inception was on my list. I mean, there's just like (laughs) there's so many cool scores that Hans Zimmer has written for Christopher Nolan films. And I use some of the Dark Knight sound you know songs from that score uh frequently yeah i think he's done most if not all christopher nolan scores which has been yeah like you said iconic um this was another one that i found really tough to keep off of my list interstellar if you uh, are unfamiliar is the story takes place in the future Uh, i think it was like 2060 something And Matthew McConaughey plays a farmer who was an astronaut and he is tasked with heading up to space to find a different, more habitable planet. And it does play with time like most Christopher Nolan movies do. Like you said, the soundtrack intensifies that 
speed and and flux of time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just a really, really great score. Um, I will go to my Hans Zimmer score. It is not one of the scores that most people probably think of these days when they think a Hans Zimmer score. Uh, my Hans Zimmer score that I have on my list is from 1996's The Rock. His name is John Mason, British national incarcerated on Alcatraz in 1962, escaped in 63. There's no identity in the United States or Great Britain. He does not exist. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. There's a hostage situation on Alcatraz. Hostage, 81 tourist. The rock's a tourist attraction. The one you train to defend you becomes your greatest threat. A battery of VX gas rockets is presently deployed to deliver a highly lethal strike on the population of the San Francisco Bay Area. And the one you abandon becomes your only hope. You go talk to him. Me? Yeah. Hiya. I'm an agent with the uh, FBI. I'm Stanley Goodsby. But of course you are. At least he got his name right. Now, all that stands between a city and a disaster... The power of this chemical is way beyond anything you can imagine. That's where you're coming with us. ...is a man who's never seen combat. You're a chemical freak. <laughs> I'm a chemical super freak, actually. ...and another who's been out of action for 30 years. Show us on the blueprints. I can't. My blueprint was in my head. Fortunately, some things... You never forget. But don't worry, it'll all come back to me. From Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. Welcome to the Rock. We got visitors. Sean Connery. You sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. I drive a Volvo. Beige one. So what do you say you cut me some friggin' slack? Yeah, I had a you know I had to get a Nicholas Cage movie on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Rock is one of those movies that when I first saw it and came away from the theater, that's one of the things that I was really thinking about is how that how I love that music. Specifically, the chase scene between the Lamborghini and the Hummer through the streets of San Francisco. Uh, such a cool moment. It also helps to help us understand the mind of General Hummel, I think, in the, in the movie. And the music really does help you sympathize with him. There's not, not a whole lot much more I can say about The Rock. I mean, if you haven't seen The Rock, it's really... Just a story about uh, a group of military folks have taken over Alcatraz and they are threatening chemical warfare against the city of San Francisco. And you've got uh, one guy who's escaped from Alcatraz that they need on the team to get into the rock so that they can uh, stop these terrorists. And it's got one of the best villains I think the most sympathetic villains that you can have in a movie, it's got Nicolas Cage in there and uh, Sean Connery plays the person getting them into the rock. So yeah, the Hans Zimmer score is, is really great on that. Like I said, I only put one Hans Zimmer score on mine, but all those movies 
all those Nolan movies that you talked about could have easily gone on my list. Yeah, I had, no doubt. No doubt. I had a tough time keeping them off. Um, yeah, that was my number three, The Rock by Hans Zimmer. So for my number two, I chose the Tron Legacy soundtrack. I promised you that if I ever got any information about your dad, I'd tell you first, right? I was paged last night. Came from your dad's office at the arcade. So? So? The number's been disconnected for 20 years. Two nights before he disappeared, he came to my house. He said he was about to change everything. Science, medicine, religion. He wouldn't have left that, Sam. He wouldn't have left you. Alan, you're acting like I'm going to find him sitting there working. Just, hey, kiddo, lost track of time. Wouldn't that be something? I got to say, like, I didn't see the first Tron until after I saw Tron Legacy. <laughs> and I went back and watched the first Tron. I was like, wow, that's in its time. That must have been like super visually appealing. I knew like when Tron came out, I think it was like at the end of 2010. I mean, that movie came out and it was like visually stunning <laughs> and captivating. And I was so excited that they chose my favorite electronic composers, Daft Punk to yeah. write the score for that movie because I think it's like so fitting. Um, you know, it's like it, they make really fun, like upbeat, exciting music. And I mean, music that just makes you want to dance, you know? And then, uh, and then like the Tron movie is so futuristic and it was just like a perf, it was like a match made in heaven. Anyway, what I thought was cool about the Tron Legacy soundtrack is it was Daft Punk's first official movie score. I was like, what a way to crush it right off the get go. It was like an 85 piece orchestra. And, you know, it's like a great mix of electronic and classical music, which is so cool. And I mean, some of my favorite musicians currently are are doing this kind of work, right? Where they're mixing synthesizer and, you know, drum machines and drum kits and drum loops and whatnot with, with classical music. I think that that's fun. It's exciting. Um, and I think this is one of like the first albums that I can personally recall where I, I noticed this without, <laughs> you know, hearing about it. It was kind of like, wow, this is like futuristic and classical music at the same time. And um, there's some songs like Derezd, which have such great dissonance and like tension. And then there are such soothing songs on that soundtrack, like Solar Sailor. And it's like so mellow. Anyways, it's like a perfect soundtrack to match the way the movie looks. And I don't know that I've necessarily seen a movie that looks like Tron, except for Tron. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> that I've actually heard a soundtrack that sounds exactly, you know, like that or or similar. Um, so, yeah, that would that would be my number two pick is the Tron Legacy soundtrack by Daft Punk. My number two is a movie that just came out two years ago, and that is the score from Mission Impossible Fallout by Lauren Balfe. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, I wonder, did you ever choose not to? 
end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. Mission Impossible is one of those rare franchises that I think has gotten better over time. And the sixth one, Mission Impossible Fallout, is by far my favorite. This movie is probably in my top 10 action movies of all time. And the score has a lot to do with that. So Lauren Balf took a familiar sound because every Mission Impossible is like Star Wars in that when you hear the music, you know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. And just about everybody knows the Mission Impossible theme. Lauren Balf took that theme, evolved it. It almost sounds kind of Zimmer, Nolan movie-like. And the work he did with like the helicopter chase, it's stunning. It This movie would be a completely different movie without the score. And I, I just, I love this thing. Uh, this is my second Macquarie movie on the list. Of course, uh, Way of the Gun, which was my number five, is was my first one. Uh, this one is obviously starring Tom Cruise, and the the plot is really what you don't what you'd expect from a Mission Impossible movie. Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt with his team, they race against time after a mission has gone wrong, and uh, just the the pulse pumping themes from Lauren Balf bring this thing to life. So Mission Impossible Fallout was my number two. All right, we got the grand finale. Your f- <laughs> number one score of all time. I'm wondering if ours are going to line up here. It'd be really wild if they do, because I think I picked something somewhat obscure. Um, then we definitely don't have matching themes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the composer is really well known, Max Richter. Uh, another one of my favorites up there you know, with the likes of Hans Zimmer and several others. Um, Waltz with Bashir. After the 1982 invasion of Lebanon, I lost my memory. Now, in order to remember, I'm looking for those who can never forget. I think it came out in 2008 and I mean, I remember like buying this on DVD the day it came out <laughs> and uh, I like went home and plugged it in. I didn't know what to expect. It looked like an animated film that kind of had like 
you know, the theme is war. And, and that certainly is it. It's like Ari Fullman uh, depicts his experience of like the 1982 Lebanon war. And it is, I mean, war is gruesome. <laughs> I gotta say like this score um, totally conveys some of like the just horrific things that you see in a war or reflect on possibly post-war and um the uh the melody was called like the haunted ocean and there's like i think four or five iterations of that song throughout the score but i mean this was like an award-winning composition right it's i mean it's the film is interesting itself. It's like an animated film and it's just based off, you know, Ari's memories and um, his conversations with folks that were in the Lebanon war. And um, it's, I mean, it's incredible. It, it's like, it's like a, it's a good film period. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would highly recommend just like listening to the soundtrack, which actually isn't even that long. Um but uh yeah waltz with Bashir is my number one pick that's a great pick it's one that number one i didn't expect from you um because i did not know that you knew about this movie uh, and like you said it is it's a really great movie and you already said it's from 2008 it's an animated film and when you said it was award-winning you were um i think that's kind of an understatement i mean this thing won all kinds of awards yeah. It appears on so many top 10 lists for 2008. Um, I'm pretty sure it was nominated for the uh, Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film as well. This thing is, um, it's powerful. It's great. And yeah, awesome score from Max Richter. Waltz with Bashir. Yes. Uh, My number one is my John Williams score that I teased earlier. To me, it's the, the most powerful, most iconic well, I guess I can't say it's the most iconic because Star Wars is probably the most iconic, but uh, Jurassic Park from 1993. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents... You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Senses are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure... Look out! No! can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park is one of those series that for me, unlike Mission Impossible, has gotten worse over time. So I, I didn't even see number three. I had no interest in number three. Number four came out many years later and my wife uh, wanted to see the fourth one. So we went to go see Jurassic World and... Yeah. I tell you, I had I had low expectations for the movie and the movie didn't blow me away. But sitting there and you see the 
the very first scene and you hear that swell of the Jurassic Park sound score and like tears welled up in my eyes because that that moment was so powerful. When you think back to Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park came out in 1993 and it's one of just a couple of VHS tapes I had as a kid growing up. So I listened to the score and saw this movie so many times and it really, as a kid, this movie kind of showed me what movies could be with the dinosaurs that even still hold up against CGI today. If you watch Jurassic Park today, it looks amazing. And the sound is one of those things that still sounds amazing, too. So Jurassic Park is my number one. John Williams. Um, I couldn't leave off a John Williams score. And this is the one that that I chose <laughs> to go with. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you had a, a bunch of runners up. Like, what are some of those scores that pained you not to make your list? Oh, my God. Like. The Lost Ark, which is also a John Williams score. Yeah, that's I mean, it's. E.T. <laughs> there there are so many just John Williams wise. I mean, like incredible scores that are out there. Um, oh, I had Thomas Newman, American Beauty. Oh, a great one. That is such a cool score. Um, there's like cool instruments in that, like Kim Kim drums and like a Ewe, I think is what the musical instruments called. It's spelled like E-W-I. Um, it's like a. And it's like an electronic clarinet kind of a deal. You know what I mean? Where uh, it's like a wind controller, basically like a electronic musical instrument. And um, there's various like versions of of these. Um, but I mean, like. There's just some there's some cool music like pedal steel guitar, um, tablas like there's just cool instruments that are used in this in this Tom and Thomas Newman score of American Beauty and it's like man again just like I'm a huge ambient music fan <laughs> and the the track listing like track number one Dead Already and then um, I think there's another one called any other name it's like the second to last track and then the last track still dead these songs are great they're they're minimalist kind of like uh it's all instrumental from what i remember and i mean it's i think you'd categorize it outside of it being like a score or a soundtrack as ambient you know and um I, I like this just for like the way that it sounds on a system, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, the instrumentation involved and like the types of instruments used are so different than what you typically hear in a, in a score. So that's why that's one of my favorite scores and like definitely an honorable mention. If this had been like the top six, it would have been, you know, it would have been there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Uh, Thomas Newman also made my also rans not for American Beauty, but for the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah, that's a fantastic movie and score. <laughs> yeah, I was um, surprised that neither one of us had Danny Elfman on our list. Uh, Batman Ooh. 1989 was, you know, my very close to making it. The Terminator 2 score is one of those iconic ones. Um, Halloween. Uh, social network. I was again, uh, painful to leave Trent Reznor off of my list, but he just didn't fit. Um, like I said, drive for Cliff Martinez, 
the Inception score, and then the last one was uh, Harold Faltermeyer's theme song. So like Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop, The Running Man uh, score. He was another one that it really it pained me to to keep them off my list, but we yeah. just had five. Wow. I mean, James Horner was one of my favorite composers. Um, oh yeah. I mean, Titanic is probably one of the ones he's known for the most. And, um, he did Braveheart, <laughs> which I yeah. talked about on the, on the episode earlier, but I mean, tragic death. I think that that guy had so many more things that could have happened right with, with movies. And it's just, that's really sad. Cool. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Thanks for uh, coming on with me. I had an Thanks awesome time. Me. I hope you did it as well. Um, well, I always close it out with giving my guest a couple seconds to plug whatever they want. Um, so what should people check out? I think right now in the world that we're living in and uh, given the fact that we're all at home, I think it's really important to just spend some time like decompressing and taking the time to listen to some music. You know, I think it's transformative and it makes us music can like lift us up. Music can relax us. It can put us in a different state of mind. So I think given the circumstances and, and, and everything, like I said, it's, there's never been a better time to like sit and just listen to an album or, you know, watch a good flick. Fantastic. And we just gave you a bunch of music selections to listen to. So go listen to some of these scores get inspired, watch the movie. Remember, anybody can be a guest on this show. The only requirement is that you love movies. If you have a five list that you want to discuss with me on air, you can email me directly at force5podcast at gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form and other Force 5 related content. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight. And you come at the same time. <laughs> Force five.